are we considered a team of two? A team feels like a strong word. <laughs> a loose partnership? <laughs> a couple of people who fell into a recording session accidentally. <laughs> a general familiarity. That's it. An acquaintanceship? That's a word, right? <laughs> Did you call me the queen? <laughs> yes. Hello, alleged human, and welcome to the Chaos Lever Podcast. My name is Ned, and I'm definitely not a robot. I'm a real human person who enjoys the company of small, semi-domesticated organic creatures. Yes, I truly appreciate their companionship, crunchy litter box remnants left underfoot, and penchant for stealing earbuds. Just delightful. With me is Chris, who is also here. Hi, Chris. I'm a little insulted that you refer to me as semi-domesticated. <laughs> I know. You're feral at best. I pay my taxes and everything almost every year. <laughs> Oh, funny story. I got a, a very angry letter from my local tax organization. Uh, turns out I never filed my local taxes. For your township? Yeah. Yeah, you're going to need to do that. <laughs> my accountant sent me it, but I just assumed he filed everything electronically, and that's like the one thing he can't. So, Of course. Of course. Why would you be able to do that? Turns out they owe me $9, so they're not going to be so happy when they get my filing. No, that's like almost a cheeseburger. Not in this economy, but sure. <laughs> Maybe a crunch wrap. You could get a crunch wrap for nine dollars. You probably get like three. Let's be honest. Do they still even exist? I hope so. Otherwise, I ate nothing an hour ago. That would explain why you're so hungry. <laughs> I suppose. Oh, it is mostly puffed air anyway. Let's talk about something else. Let's do that. All right. So what you got on deck for today? So... This is kind of a fun one because what I'm going to talk about happened four years ago and has only been disclosed now. I feel like that violates some new SEC rules, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, it would have. I, no, it's not really a hack like that. It's one of those hacks that ruins people's lives, not corporations. Ah, and as we know, corporations. They don't care about that. No. Corporations, not people still. No, it's a big old Internet of Things type of vulnerability. Ah, the S is for security. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Still a classic. So we talk about a lot of vulnerabilities, exploits, and whatnot on this show because they happen a lot. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they happen so enthusiastically that we are forced, nay, required to curse about it. <gasps> Vulgar language, some would say. Never. But something that doesn't happen as often is a breakdown slash discussion about how the vulnerability was found, how it was exploited, how it was resolved, any root cause analysis results and or lessons learned, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, we mostly like to just point at the burning building and be like, ah, look at that. I believe that the subtitle for this show is actually point and laugh. <laughs> it wasn't, but it is now. So anyway, with the fuller release of the technical details of this vulnerability and exploit, I thought it would be fun to do a little bit of a deeper dive hmm. on the situation. Let's do. Let's. But before we do a prequel, let's define some terms. Because when it comes to IT security, malware analysis, red team, purple team, blue team type of stuff, you've got to be specific. Mm-hmm. About the terms in particular that I want to make sure that everyone's clear on is what is a threat, what is a vulnerability, and what is an exploit. So first is a threat. 
a threat is a pretty high level concept. It is basically any bad outcome that can happen. If you have to go to a website to look up a definition, it would sound something like, quote, a threat is an action, event, occurrence, or circumstance that could disrupt, harm, destroy, or otherwise adversely affect a system and thus its normal operations. Hmm. Got all that? I sure did. It's tattooed to the inside of my eyeballs. Now, what's nice about this is this is not a definition that is probably that hard to grasp, right? If you've ever taken a risk management class or even just thought about bad things or had a mother, you've probably <laughs> heard this kind of terminology before. Mm -hmm. The terrible things that can happen have to be listed out. Now, that's only part of the equation when it comes to figuring out what to do about it, because the next part is how realistic is it that this threat could come to some type of negative fruition. There are, say, realistic threats, and there are, say, unrealistic threats existing on a spectrum. Right. Living on the east coast of Florida, for example, the threat of your house being destroyed by a hurricane is quite realistic. Doesn't mean it's a guarantee, but it's definitely something you have to think about. Living on the east coast of Iowa, however, let's say it's less so. Yeah, you're more worried about land sharks in that case. Precisely. I precisely. Know. It's a matter of figuring out what's important. Absolutely. And that's you you mentioned risk management and that was like the two big parts of risk management is first identifying risks and threats and then identifying the likelihood of those things so you can add them to the risk register and figure out what do I actually have to protect against and what can I mostly safely ignore or buy insurance to protect against. Right, exactly. And if you were in my risk management course, you would just watch the documentary called Tremors and say, Bud did nothing wrong. <laughs> Fair enough. So that's threats. Next up is a vulnerability. Now we're getting a little more specific. Mm -hmm. A vulnerability is a weakness that can be exploited. Eh? See uh -huh. what I did there? Mm -hmm. A little foreshadowing. Ooh, I like it. The exploit would make a threat real. The vulnerability is how you would do it. Now, just because a vulnerability exists doesn't mean that it can actually be exploited or that there's any problematic situation that will result from it. I, for one, am quite vulnerable to lightning strikes. I've checked in actual human beings, it's bad. You don't want to get hit by lightning. The circumstances for me to have to experiment with this, however, or have my body withstand a lightning strike, never likely to happen. <laughs> Yeah, that's what you think. Now, in IT, again, the same concept. A vulnerability can exist in software or hardware or firmware or whatever for years without anybody knowing about it, or it could be so difficult to take advantage of, it's almost like there's no vulnerability at all. Mm. For example, if you have a house and you forgot to lock the back window and it just remained unlocked for five years. That's a vulnerability. Sure. Nobody knows it's there, though, so nobody exploited it. Mm -hmm. Similarly, if you forgot to lock the window on the sixth floor, that is a vulnerability that also exists, but is significantly harder to take advantage of. You know, Spider-Man notwithstanding. Spider's man, please. <laughs> okay. I just have to pause right here. So what is this new bullshit about pluralizing the first half of a word? It's playing on the joke of attorneys general. Okay, because I'm not sure if I like it. Well, that's because you didn't understand it. 
I didn't understand the origin of it, but like sometimes, you know, you and I, we deal with pendants all the time and sometimes we are pedantic ourselves. Sometimes that person can get real annoying real fast. And so I was struggling to determine if someone was actually correcting me or ironically correcting me. And either way, I wanted to punch them. Welcome to 2023. It's both. (laughs) Hooray. Back to this uh, vulnerability thing. So vulnerabilities can be so difficult to exploit that, again, they are effectively useless in code. A really good example is Intel's IME, or Management Engine. What this is, is a little tiny computer that is connected directly to your CPU, ostensibly to help. But it can be used and has been shown to be vulnerable to exploits that allow people to literally read what's happening on the CPU, whether it's encrypted or not. In order to do that, however, the circumstances have to basically be a perfect lab scenario. (laughs) Right. Needless to say, your laptop is not going to be compromised via the IME while you're scrolling TikTok on the bus. Yes. You're fine. Yeah. Settle down. You're fine. It's like when you go to Black Hat and there's always a couple like proof of concept vulnerabilities where they like get close enough to a server in Iraq where they can detect the spinning up and down of the fans to figure out what the hard drives are doing to extract some kind of information. And you're like, you know, if someone's in my data center and has like a stethoscope up against the rack, I might notice that. You're going to figure out that that might be a little bit off. And if they have that level of physical access, there's probably an easier way to compromise the server. Just saying. (laughs) Right. And I bring up the difficulty of actually taking advantage of a vulnerability because the example we're going to walk through is demonstrably not hard. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But the final term, just just to put a button on the prequel here, is the exploit itself. Exploit with a capital E is the defined and proven way a vulnerability is taken advantage of. That's the thief going in through that unlocked window, mm-hmm. right? This is where a piece of code can be downloaded because it's a, usually a completed solution, script kiddieable that can just be <laughs> loaded into Metasploit and aimed directly at your unpatched Nginx server. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to do this in high literary terms, Ooh. The straw house in that old story is a vulnerability, and the big bad wolf blowing it down is the exploit. Sorry, I'm not familiar with the story. Um, well, I mean, it was Tolstoy, so I can understand why you don't, you don't remember it. Still working through War and Peace. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> I'm on page 4,000 of Infinity. <laughs> so, got all that? Got it. Great. End sidebar. And let's enter the time machine. Ooh. In 2019, a Turkish security researcher, and I apologize for the pronunciation here. I heard three people say it. They all said it differently. So I'm going to do my best. Yunus Chadurji. Not bad. Thank you. And thank the maker. Chadurji discovered vulnerabilities in the DIAL protocol. Now, DIAL stands for Discovery and Launch. Of course, it's a backronym. Why wouldn't it be? It is used a video streaming protocol developed by Netflix and YouTube and a couple of the uh, other minor players. Mm -hmm. The reason for Dial's existence is to enable, quote, second screen devices like your phone or a tablet to stream content to, quote, first screen devices 
such as a smart TV, something connected to a Roku, a PC with a big monitor, etc. Mm-hmm. The big benefit here is the convenience. You didn't have to pair the devices. Right. All you needed to do, you start playing video, you look for a little icon, you click on it, the dial protocol finds your first screen, so basically your TV. Mm-hmm. You select the name of the device that it found, and boom, your media is now playing on that TV with no other configuration needed. Convenient, right? Hey, man, like 60% of the time, it works 100% of the time. Think about it like Apple's AirPlay feature, except terrible. Yes, essentially. Now, this is, even in 2019, not new. Work on Dial started all the way back in 2014, and its goal was to be used in a local network-only kind of scenario. You sit on your couch, you throw a video to your TV. And that's how the problem happened in the first place. The vulnerability that was discovered allowed bad actors to play any video stream they wanted (laughs) on your device. Mm, Not great. When you do it from your couch, that's fun. When somebody does it from... Was Yugoslavia a thing in 2019? No. No. (laughs) I think Yugoslavia had broken up a little earlier than that, but... (laughs) Look. Macedonia? We're not here to talk about geometry. (laughs) So, Chidurchi finds this problem. He reports the bug privately to Netflix, YouTube, and device manufacturers, and they all do what it is they're going to do to fix the bug. Fast forward to the end of November, just a few weeks ago, Four years after it was privately disclosed, Chidurchi published his findings and presented them at the Black Hat Middle East and Africa Conference. He waited that long, he said, to allow manufacturers to catch up, Mm -hmm. to fix dial, to patch their shit. Spoiler alert on the lessons learned part, um, they might not have done that. (laughs) I'll try to contain my shock. Um, (laughs) I'm trying to think of the last time I updated my Roku on purpose. Well, Roku, we're going to talk about that. You don't have to do it on purpose. Roku was probably pretty good about it. Yeah. I did have this Western digital media player thing more than four years ago that was like pre-Roku, and they just completely stopped supporting that at some point. Right. And that doesn't even get into the like $199 TVs sold at Walmart that are never updated at all. Ever. Yeah. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's talk about the details of the vulnerability itself. All right. So Dial works through the power of an unholy alliance of terrible protocols. (laughs) My favorite kind. The first is Simple Device Discovery Protocol, SDDP. Mm -hmm. And the second, and I can already hear a shudder going through the entire audience, Universal Plug and Play. There it is. Yeah. What else did it do, aside from using these nightmare protocols, is implicitly trust the network. Mm. This is not what we mean when we say zero trust. (laughs) No. The applications that utilize dial from the first screen, the receiver side, Mm -hmm. which ironically was the server, but whatever, it was advertising its existence using a public URL running over HTTP. There's a letter missing there. Yes, sir. There's a lot missing there. (laughs) To quote the original paper from 2019, these utilizations, quote, lacked basic security mechanisms. 
Even after Cores was enabled, Cores allegedly stopping cross-site scripting running and requiring at least the faintest amount of authentication, it was trivially bypassed. How was it trivially bypassed, you ask? Well, to stop unallowed hosts from sending data, Cores is supposed to have a list of okay senders. Mm-hmm. Could be a whitelist, could be a blacklist, however you want to do it. The point is you cross that with a list of okay or denies with the info from the origin header. Dial's implementation would simply not apply the core's rules if the origin header was omitted. Ah, that's wrong. Yeah, Uh uh-huh. So real fail open kind of scenario there. Precisely. Good way to summarize it. I'm glad I thought of that. (laughs) So what you have here... You have a local server running on your first screen device that is advertising over HTTP and will display video of any kind without authenticating at all. That alone is a pretty wide open vulnerability. Mm -hmm. You don't even have a window on the first floor. You might not have a wall. (laughs) Just my living room open to the world. But it gets better because remember how I said it implicitly trusts the local network? Yeah. What happens if your smart device finds its way onto the internet? Mm. I mean, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. UPnP. But if for some godforsaken reason, your router decides to allow universal plug and play traffic to be advertised on the public interface. Oh, God. All right. Uh, Long story short, that's what it did. (laughs) (laughs) Of course it did. Cardici discovered quote, more than a million smart TVs with exposed URLs in 2019. Oh, um, and did I mention that any device that had dial functionality had the UPnP functionality enabled alongside of dial by default? Well, I mean, naturally, it's the Microsoft approach. You want to make things as easy for end users as possible. So you turn on everything by default. And just like Microsoft, it makes it horribly insecure. You got it. Yeah. You know, when I used to tune, when, when it was required to go in and disable a bunch of Windows services to like make your PC run faster, you probably should still do that. Some of the services I would always turn off was universal plug and play and this SSDP service. I would always shut those off and set them to disabled in the services menu. Right. Probably should still do that for a lot of things. Yes. Once again, you're skipping ahead, but yes, you should. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so... What was the impact of this vulnerability in 2019? So funny thing about this is a lot of office workers who were doing presentations around the time period might have inadvertently been using this vulnerability. Did you ever accidentally stream your PowerPoint to the wrong conference room? Or maybe have someone else's show up unexpectedly on an allegedly unused TV? Mm Mm-hmm. That probably happened because of Dial's incredibly forgiving nature. Because guess what used Dial in 2019? PowerPoint? Chromecast. Oh, God. Chromecast. Yeah, it's a blast from the past, huh? Yeah, I have a Chromecast. It's sitting in a box unplugged in my basement. (laughs) (laughs) Labeled do not use. It's already been hacked. So anyway, that's just accidental stuff. You click on the wrong button, something weird happens, which incidentally is probably how a ton of hackers got their start. Yeah. Wait a minute. That wasn't supposed to happen. I need to know why that happened and do it on purpose. Mm -hmm. That's the title of your memoir. (laughs) That wasn't supposed to happen. (laughs) 
In terms of intentional malicious activity related to Dial, the impact still is on the minimal side. The services themselves just didn't have that much access. However, you could still, in the parlance of our time, fuck with people. <laughs> As is the style of the internet then and now, the number one thing you want to do is force someone to watch the music video Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley, aka the famous Rickroll. Mm -hmm. The amount of views that that video has on YouTube is staggering. <laughs> Indeed. So that's kind of like a funny thing you could do, or you could, you know, make somebody watch a bad movie. Ha 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 ha. But it could also be used to force advertisements down the pipe to all of those open millions of TVs, which if you remember bad actors, I mean, advertisers, they pay by the view. Mm -hmm. So this can be a profitable captive audience. It could, as we get a little darker, also be used to spread propaganda videos or even for corporate espionage. So for example, what if an AT&T building's smart TVs were exposed and those TVs started only playing Verizon ads <laughs> or hardcore pornography? I thought that's where you were going with it. I mean, <laughs> that is where all things go when it comes to the internet. That's fair. That's why we can't have nice things. Now, to be clear, I didn't do any huge research into this, so I did not find any examples of that kind of corporate espionage actually happening, but totally possible. Mm -hmm. That was the impact. What was the fix? Well, the fix was actually fairly straightforward. Remember, this was privately shared with Netflix and YouTube. They, over a period of months, released three updates that I was able to find between the end of 2019 and the beginning of 2021, completely overhauling the protocol. And as a matter of fact, other more sophisticated protocols have since overtaken Dial as the go-to for this kind of functionality. Mm -hmm. So Netflix, YouTube, we can say they did the best they could. They did their job. They fixed the protocol. That would leave the smart TVs and the Rokus of the world, aka the controllers or the first screens holding the bag. There are manufacturers needing to do firmware and software upgrades that would either update or replace Dial. In what could be described as a little fit of peak, Carducci described the, quote, manufacturers as responsible are the ones that did the update. Mm -hmm. That just leaves the irresponsible manufacturers, which when it comes <laughs> to the world of IoT, as you and I both know, is basically all of them. Mm -hmm. Khadija actually also provided a scanner that you can use to do some intel of your own. He's also created an internet site that has that scanner installed so you can scan other IP addresses just for funsies. Yay. All of that info is located at the GitHub site for the disclosure. This is the 2023 version of the disclosure. So all the information is in the show notes. Cool. And it's actually reading through it because it is such a, a simple and understandable one, the disclosure document's only 19 pages long. Still seems like a lot. When it comes to these types of things, it's very readable, very understandable, and very face-palmy. Mm. Because looking back on it, <laughs> Dial was a good idea. I mean, at its core. From a certain point of view. Yeah. You want to make things easy, but as Kardish said, easy usually means less secure. 
generally, yeah. And that probably explains why, even after it was updated, Dial has effectively been supplanted. Mm -hmm. So a couple of takeaways, (laughs) lessons learned. UPnP is a bad idea. Yes. In fact, UPnP probably should be made illegal. One of the things that UPnP does is causes TCP ports to be opened Mm -hmm. all by itself because it's just that friendly. And this is probably one of the reasons that so many smart TVs and other devices are accessible by the internet is that protocols like UPnP went ahead and did that for you without anybody knowing that it was happening. This is something you need to look at on your router, not just on your computer, and make sure that UPnP is disabled because in certain, some would say many cases, it's enabled by default. That's not to say that there aren't use cases for UPnP. If you are running a server of some kind that needs UPnP to be open to the internet, you should at least have it on an isolated VLAN. If you know what port mappings you're trying to do, you could also build manual paths. Mm -hmm. And if you don't know what any of that means, you definitely need to just disable UPnP. Yeah, I think that's probably the best move for most home users is if you have ever logged into your wireless router, uh, just look for the tick box. It'll probably be under advanced settings. And if UPnP is enabled, just uncheck it. Go ahead and do that. And you you should reboot your router anyway. Really, you're killing two birds with one stone here. Absolutely. Ned and I, we're here, well, mostly me, we're here solving problems for the people. And honestly, when's the last time you looked at your gutters? Because I bet they could use a bit of a cleaning as well. (laughs) That wasn't one of these lessons learned, but it's a good one. Just saying, you know, (laughs) clean gutters are key to proper drainage of your house. Good, clean gutters. Good, clean gutters. The first thing you think of when you think of gutters is very clean. Moving on. (laughs) Lesson learned number two. And this is one I'm positive I've said before. Using a smart TV's functionality is a bad idea. Putting it on the internet is a worse one. Mm -hmm. Even if these devices are patched or are updated against dial, it is highly likely that they're vulnerable to any other number of possibly worse exploits. And sadly, making these smart TVs better and keeping them updated and keeping them private, still a message that has not gotten through. Mm-hmm. Case in point, Kardashian shows that the version of WebOS that is shipping in certain LG TVs in 2023 is still vulnerable to this dial attack, alongside dozens of other ones. I don't want to just put them on blast and not notice the other ones. But you know what did get updated? What's that? Xbox. Like the original Xbox? Yeah. Amazing. I hate to give Microsoft credit at any point, but older Xboxes even, devices used by a lot of people to centralize these types of things as a media hub, continually gets updated and is no longer vulnerable to this attack. Same for Roku, same for... Most of the time, I mean, the the, uh, safe way to think about it is, have I heard of this company before? The possibility that they are maintaining some security is higher than if I have not. But like the LG example... That's not a guarantee. Mm -hmm. It makes a lot of sense to separate the screen, just the literal pixels that are showing you a picture, from the smart. But that's hard, and I'm not going to do that. No, you're lazy. Yes. You specifically. Yes. No, I was was speaking in I statements. I'm lazy. (laughs) I'm going to use a smart TV. 
the best thing I can probably do is buy my smart TV from a reputable manufacturer, not Walmart, and make sure that it has automatic updates enabled and also turn off UPnP on my router so it can't poke a hole out. Right. And for people that maybe just have had their environment sit static for a while, it does not hurt to just go check because one other thing that came from the Black Cat MEA presentation is there are still a lot of unpatched devices out there on the internet. Mm-hmm. A simple Shodan search by an anonymous novice OSINT researcher turned up 32,000 smart TVs that are internet-facing and susceptible. And if I, I'm, <clears throat> I mean, this anonymous researcher um, can find 32,000, someone who knows what they're doing <laughs> can surely find orders of magnitude more. Shodan is still kind of a passive scanner, remember. It's a generalist tool. Mm -hmm. By using other more active scanning tools, Kodichi says he's confident that the number of accessible, exploitable devices to a vulnerability that is now four years old is still over a million. Yep. So if you have a smart TV or smart device, update it if you can. Don't use something that you don't think can be updated. Turn off universal plug and play. Don't put any of your stuff on the internet. You know, avoid computers in general. Yeah, just pull the plug on all of it and just play friggin' solitaire, I think. You know, just go to your circuit breaker panel and just that one, that big breaker at the top, just slam it to the other side. You're good to go. You know what's a secure way to spend your time? Boggle. <laughs> God, I love Boggle. You would. Who doesn't? Don't even try it. Don't even try it. So many four-letter words. Anyhow, <laughs> hey, thanks for listening or something. I guess you found it worthwhile enough if you made it all the way to the end. So congratulations to you, friend. You accomplished something today. Now you can go sit on the couch, fire up your web browser, and log into your wireless router and disable universal plug-and-play. You've earned it. You can find more about this show by visiting our LinkedIn page. Just search Chaos Lever or go to our website, chaoslever.cow, where you'll find show notes, blog posts, and general tomfoolery. We'll be back next week to see what fresh hell is upon us. Ta-ta for now. Smooth. Smooth like butter.